Section 100 of Mark Twain, A Biography, Volume 2. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Mark Twain, A Biography, by Albert Bigelow Payne. Chapter 204, The Second Winter in Vienna. The Clemens family did not return to the Metropole for the winter, but went to the new Kranz, already mentioned, where they had a handsome and commodious suite looking down on the Neuermarkt and on the beautiful façade of the Capuchin Church, with the great cathedral only a step away. There they passed another brilliant and busy winter. Never in Europe had they been more comfortably situated. Attention had been never more lavishly paid to them. Their drawing-room was a salon which acquired the name of the Second Embassy. Clemens, in his notebook, wrote, During eight years now I have filled the position with some credit i trust of self-appointed ambassador-at-large of the united states of america without salary which was a joke but there was a large grain of truth in it for mark twain more than any other american in europe was regarded as typically representing his nation and received more lavish honors it had become the fashion to consult him on every question of public interest, for he was certain to say something worth printing, whether seriously or otherwise. When the Tsar of Russia proposed the disarmament of the nations, William T. Stead, editor of the Review of Reviews, wrote for Mark Twain's opinion. He replied, Dear Mr. Stead, the Tsar is ready to disarm. I am ready to disarm collect the others. It should not be much of a task now. Mark Twain. He was on a tide of prosperity once more, one that was to continue now until the end. He no longer had any serious financial qualms. He could afford to be independent. He refused ten thousand dollars for a tobacco endorsement, though he liked the tobacco well enough and he was aware that even royalty was willing to put a value on its opinions. He declined $10,000 a year for five years to lend his name as editor of a humorous periodical, though there was no reason to suppose that the paper would be otherwise than creditably conducted. He declined lecture propositions from Pond at the rate of about one a month. He could get along without these things, he said, and still preserve some remnants of self-respect. In a letter to Rogers, he said, Pond offers me $10,000 for ten nights, but I do not feel strongly tempted. Mrs. Clemens ditto. Early in 1899, he wrote to Howells that Mrs. Clemens had proved to him that they owned a house and furniture in Hartford, that his English and American copyrights paid an income on the equivalent of $200,000, and that they had one hundred and seven thousand dollars accumulation in the bank. I have been out and bought a box of six-cent cigars, he says. I was smoking four and a half cents before. The things that men are most likely to desire had come to Mark Twain, and no man was better qualified to rejoice in them. That supreme, elusive thing, which we call happiness, might have been his now, but for the tragedy of human bereavement and the torture of human ills. That he did rejoice, 
reveled indeed like a boy in his new fortunes the honors paid him and in all that gay viennese life there is no doubt he could wave aside care and grief and remorse forget their very existence it seemed but in the end he had only driven them ahead a little way and they waited by his path once after reciting his occupations and successes he wrote all these things might move and interest one but how desperately more i have been moved to-night by the thought of a little old copy in the nursery of at the back of the north wind oh what happy days they were when that book was read and how susie loved it death is so kind benignant to whom he loves but he goes by us others and will not look our way and to twitchell a few days later a hartford with no susie in it and no ned bunce it is not the city of hartford it is the city of heartbreak it seems only a few weeks since i saw susie last yet that was eighteen ninety five and this is eighteen ninety nine my work does not go well to-day it failed yesterday and the day before and the day before that and so i have concluded to put the manuscript in the waste-basket and meddle with some other subject i was trying to write an article advocating the quadrupling of the salaries of our ministers and ambassadors and the devising of an official dress for them to wear it seems an easy theme yet i couldn't do the thing to my satisfaction all i got out of it was an article on monaco and monte carlo matters not connected with the subject at all still that was something it's better than a total loss he finished the article diplomatic pay and clothes in which he shows how absurd it is for america to expect proper representation on the trifling salaries paid to her foreign ministers as compared with those allowed by other nations he prepared also a reminiscent article the old tale of the shipwrecked hornet and the magazine article intended as his literary debut a generation ago now and again he worked on some one of the several unfinished longer tales but brought none of them to completion the german drama interested him once he wrote to mr rogers that he had translated in purgatory and sent it to charles frohman who pronounced it all jabber and no play curious too for it tears these austrians to pieces with laughter when i read it now it seems entirely silly but when i see it on the stage it is exceedingly funny he undertook a play for the berg theatre a collaboration with a vienna journalist sigmund schlesinger schlesinger had been successful with several dramas and agreed with clemens to do some plays dealing with american themes one of them was to be called die goldgräberin that is the woman gold-miner another the rival candidates 
was to present the humors of female suffrage. Schlesinger spoke very little English, and Clemens always had difficulty in comprehending rapid-fire German, so the work did not progress very well. By the time they had completed a few scenes of mining drama, the interest died, and they good-naturedly agreed that it would be necessary to wait until they understood each other's language more perfectly before they could go on with the project. Frau Kati Schratt, later morganatic wife of Emperor Franz Joseph, but then leading comedian of the Berg Theatre, is said to have been cast for the leading part in the mining play, and Director-General Herr Schlenther, head of the Berg Theatre management, was deeply disappointed. He had never doubted that a play built by Schlesinger and Mark Twain, with Frau Schratt in the leading role, would have been a great success. Clemens continued the subject of Christian science that winter. He wrote a number of articles mainly criticizing Mrs. Eddy and her financial methods, and for the first time conceived the notion of a book on the subject. The new hierarchy not only amused but impressed him. He realized that it was no ephemeral propaganda, that its appeal to human need was strong, and that its system of organization was masterful and complete. To Twitchell he wrote, somehow i continue to feel sure of that cult's colossal future i am selling my lourdes stock already and buying christian science trust i regard it as the standard oil of the future he laid the article away for the time and as was his custom put the play quite out of his mind and invented a postal check which would be far more simple than post-office orders because one could buy them in any quantity and denomination and keep them on hand for immediate use making them individually payable merely by writing in the name of the payee it seems a fine simple scheme one that might have been adopted by the government long ago but the idea has been advanced in one form or another several times since then and still remains at this writing unadopted. He wrote John Hay about it, remarking at the close that the government officials would probably not care to buy it as soon as they found they couldn't kill Christians with it. He prepared a lengthy article on the subject, in dialogue form, making it all very clear and convincing, but for some reason none of the magazines would take it. Perhaps it seemed too easy, too simple, too obvious. Great ideas, once developed, are often like that. End of chapter 204 The Second Winter in Vienna Read by John Greenman